Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode 22. Grind, the podcast where we take a look at a day in the life, the behind the scenes of being a working musician, um, particularly here in Florida. I, I am based in Tampa Bay, but um, this applies to uh, pretty much the, the rest of the country as well. Obviously, each place has its own different scene and its own intricacies, but I think the life is still applicable uh, and I think we all go, kind of go through the same thing. So if this is your first time listening, thank you and welcome. And if you're uh, a returning listener, thank you for returning, I suppose. Yeah. If you're somehow not subscribed, please do so. Please go and uh, click subscribe on whichever platform you have found us on you can subscribe share feel free to rate and or and or and let's say and do both rate and review um on apple podcast or on spotify or stitcher uh, pandora now and google podcasts um this is available on all uh formats so whatever you listen to and however you're listening to it now, because if you're clearly if you're listening to this right now, you're on one of these. So I have no idea uh, if you're not. How? Let me know how you found this if you're not on one of those platforms. Uh, oh, actually, you can do that by sliding in my DMs um, at Music Grind Podcast on Instagram. You can always reach me and uh, follow you know, follow that Instagram to keep up with announcements, with um, updates and news and whatever else. And you can send an email to musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, uh, good or bad, um, sweet or sour. I'm trying to think yin and yang. I don't know, whatever other contrasts you want to uh, you want to come up with. Let me know that. Let me know what other contrasts I can use in the next episode. <laughs> um, so, like I said, this is uh, the podcast where we take a look at the day, a day in the life of working musicians. And um, here it is. Here's a day in the life. Uh, most gigs, if not all gigs, are canceled. This is the reality we find ourselves in with uh, COVID-19. Uh, this has affected now... This country has affected parts of the rest of the world for much longer, but now it's here and it is, uh, it is, it has, and it is still affecting us. Um, you know, with things shutting down, we're clearly not the only industry. So restaurants and bars and, you know, bartenders, restaurant workers, uh, are feeling the brunt of it. Gyms are closing, um, or at least shutting down temporarily, whether they're closing or not is a different issue. But this affects all of us. 
And the way it affects musicians is that, you know, we have events that get canceled. Uh, clearly, if a restaurant, if there's no dining in at a restaurant or a bar, then there's not going to be any live music, uh, live entertainment, uh, weddings, you know, gatherings of over 10 people. So if you have, if it's just you and your spouse getting married, I guess maybe we could have an event, but that's usually not the case. Um, and this is, this is probably not going to go away right away. You know, um, we don't know. There's a lot of news. I'm not going to get into like the whole political and, and economic things. I have my own opinions about it as I'm sure you do. Um, and you can feel free to slide in my DMS or send me an email. That's fine too, but I'm not going to get into all that stuff now. But the reality is that for so many musicians across the whole country, um, and certainly in this area, the next few months, uh, are, are very concerning financially speaking. And this on top of the fact that we're heading into the summer, which is traditionally a slower season, at least for, um, at least for weddings and corporate events and things like that. The bar scene especially beach bars, uh, that scene is typically really huge here in Florida. Now, we're going to see what it looks like uh, this time around because we don't know when people can congregate again. So we don't know when those gigs come back, and we don't know when they do, um, not just if, but when they do, what are the scenes going to look like? Are people going to be ready to come out and hang out less than six feet away from each other hmm let me know what you think or what you want to do if or or do you think perhaps that the moment they say hey they give us the all clear it's just going to be a massive rager on all the beaches of florida that might be the case and it might not we just don't know yet that's the reality that's the day in the life right now that's um maybe a few weeks in the life right now, sadly. So to that end, I want to give a little bit of a PSA now. Uh, Brandon Williams of the group The Method, he's a local musician here in Tampa Bay, has partnered with Project Mar, a nonprofit organization, a 501c3 run by Dave and Heather Hamar. Now you would recognize Dave because I've mentioned him before. He's been a previous guest on this podcast. They have opened a nonprofit organization to help with arts funding, um, specifically for the arts, and it is a legit uh, organization. And now they have partnered to help support some of the musicians. As I said, um, so many gigs have been canceled. So many people are are in uh, treacherous financial times in the foreseeable future. We don't know how long it'll last, but these guys have come up with a really cool way of showing support and actually supporting. So their website is project, project-mar.org, project-mar.org, no spaces in that. Go on the website, check it out, look at the shirt. I'm going to describe it a little bit. It's a dark blue t-shirt with gray lettering, a little medicine bottle with music in it on the bottle, and it says, let music be the cure. 
And I'm going to read from directly from their website. Okay, this is what they're this is what they're doing. With every shirt sold for the suggested donation of twenty five dollars, we will be able to give sixty percent of that back to the community of amazing musicians who have lost most, if not all, of their work during this tough time. If you want to give more than the $25, please use the donate buttons. Thank you for helping us make a difference. I really strongly suggest that you go on the website project-mar.org and donate. Uh, purchase a shirt. When you get the shirt, take a picture of it. Post, uh, post it online because you're going to stay home. You're going to get your shirt, put it on, and stay home. Okay, or if you want to use it when you go out on a run, because we can go still go exercise, but stay six feet away. And listen, here's the biggest thing: when all of this is finally clear, get that shirt. Okay, take that shirt that you're um, that you're purchasing now that you're supporting us with. Put it on, and go out to a local gig. Go and see a local band. Go to a restaurant. Go to a bar. Go to the beach bar or wherever. Take that shirt, put it on, and go see your local musicians. Okay, it's very clear. We can see, and if um, whether the general population wants to admit it or not, or or whatever. But music and entertainment is very important to us. Look at the number of live streams that have happened. Um, in, in this time that uh, we're being asked to self-isolate, clearly music and entertainment is a very important part of our lives. And when the all clear is given and we're all allowed to go back out and enjoy, um, enjoy everybody, live music will be so important once again. So project-mar, M-A-R, org go on support um, your local community of musicians now if you're not a local listener if you're not in Tampa Bay and you happen to be listening to this podcast and you feel like paying it forward to this community uh, we would love that and I would thank you for that but your community might have might have a similar um, a similar thing. And if they don't, maybe it's time for you to start such a thing. Maybe it's time for you to do something in your community to help support your local artists. This is what we're doing. This is part of what we're doing here in Tampa Bay. Project-mar.org. Purchase a shirt and uh, help support local musicians. And then put that shirt on and go out and see a gig when gigs come back. That's one of the biggest things we can do. Now on to today's guest, Samantha Lee is a uh, gifted singer and now songwriter um, here in Florida. She is not local, speaking of local. She came from Ohio, but she's been here in Florida for about 15 years, so I guess that makes her local. I guess I guess she can pass, because I'm not actually local either. So I guess, I guess I'll give her a pass since I'm not from here. Ha! Ha! Um, she's done, you know thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of gigs on the national uh, scene she was in dallas for a while she's doing uh, huge corporate and wedding uh, gigs out there doing it here in florida um cruise ships opening for josh turner a huge uh country artist austin mahone a pop artist she's uh, excuse me she has sung with josh groban and the likes of others that i can't uh that i can't even think of right now she's um She's doing things. She's doing things. And recently put out her own EP of original songs. So um, 
go and check this out. In this conversation, we talk about her background. How did she grow up and um, how, did, how did music get into her life? And one of the things, one of the big things we talk about throughout this podcast is how to overcome insecurities. We all have them. She has them. I have them. And, uh, and if you're listening, you have your own insecurities. How do we overcome those kinds of things? And she talks about what hers were and parts of the things that, th- that she's doing to overcome them. And she really gives, she gives a really great technique at the end that I'm actually going, I am going to be implementing. It's a little, um, uh, technique to help overcome those insecurities, especially those times when you're filled with self-doubt. Uh, listen at, towards the end of the um, the interview. It's a really cool, uh, really smart way to do it. And we also talk about professionalism because that's what we are. We are professional musicians. And so what does that really mean? What does that look like? What does that take? And the reality, this is the day in the life. This is the behind the scenes part of this, um, the reality of this music life. Things like we have opposite schedules from everybody. We don't have vacation days. We miss out on personal things that if you have a regular nine to five type of job, um, kind of take some of those things for granted. The world is set up that way, but our world is set up kind of opposite and we get into that. So, um, it's, it was a really interesting conversation. I've known her for a long time and, uh, and even I learned some things, um, through this conversation. So without further ado, Samantha Lee. Well, Sammy, thanks for, thanks for uh, doing this. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about how you got started in music. I know some of your story, but people listening uh, may not. Um, how did you get started? Well, I grew up around music. My mom was a singer growing up, and so she used to bring me on stage at her show. She was in a, in a country band oh, called right. Buckshot. And they used to tour around Ohio, and uh, I think they're actually kind of still together today. They've yeah. just had like m- members like rotate throughout the years, but I think the actual band is the last I heard was still together, which is kind of <laughs> kind of crazy. So she used to gonna, bring me. Are you gonna like sit in? Like, hey, <laughs> remember me? Um, yeah, <laughs> from when I was two. <laughs> no, she used to bring me on stage, and I used to. I think there's a video of me somewhere singing like. Patsy Cline song at like three years old, super cute. And so I just kind of always grew up around, around music. And then in school, I tried to be involved in music as much as I could between like choir and drama and kind of anywhere I can get, um, you know, my musical outlet. And then in high school, I would enter in different talent shows and, and contests. And our, our little city did like a little tri-school idol competition. Mm-hmm. And that was like my first like kind of, I wouldn't say first actually, let me rewind. Because when I used to enter talent shows when I was like 12, 13, 14, when I was 13, I entered this local talent show at the Brunswick Old Fashioned Days Fair <laughs> and ended up <laughs> winning first place singing Come On Over by Christina Aguilera. Well, wait a minute. So how old were you? For 13. That? Okay. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And then when I was 17, I ended up winning that, that tri-school idol thing. So then I was like, wow, you know, maybe I could actually have a career in this. Because before that, I just knew I liked to sing, but I didn't really think right. about 
oh, I want to be a singer when I grew up. I went to cosmetology school. I figured I would be a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. But um, my uncle reached out to me from Florida on a whim. That's Uncle Mark. Uncle Mark. Uncle Mark People yes. know him. Yeah. <laughs> He's famous around these parts. <laughs> Um, yeah, uncle Mark reached out to me when I was living in Ohio still. And it was right before New Year's Eve. Like, I think it was like a day before New Year's Eve. And he just kind of mentioned on a whim, yeah, you should move down here. I think you'd like it. Blah, blah, blah. You can come stay with me. And literally on New Year's day, I packed up my car and me and my aunt drove to Florida (laughs) just on a whim. I guess I was super spontaneous at the time. (laughs) And... Then a week later, I auditioned at Bush Gardens, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and got a call a month later. And I feel like the rest is history. <sighs> I started my job at Bush Gardens. I was there for 11 years. And I feel like from there, everything was like one after another, like networking wise. Like someone at Bush helped me get a gig from that gig, recommended me for another gig. And then here I am today. Well, we're gonna talk about that history. We're gonna we'll go into detail, but I have I wondered before before you were thirteen and did the the Brunswick um, thing. That's you said. That's when you first realized that that could be something you want to do for a living. But did you know that you were good at it before? Like you had fun with it, but did you had any have any sense that oh, this is something that I'm good at? Yes. I think I thought I was really good as a small child. Oh, yeah. I used to try to put on little concerts for like my family members. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some like little videos I'll have to show you that my mom would pull up, you know, the huge video recorder. Yeah, yes, yeah. My dad on would put shoulder. it on, yeah, yeah. Put it on her shoulder <laughs> and they'd uh, play either like a Disney song. I have one of like a Disney song and one of like the song from Beaches. Do you remember that Bette Midler yeah, movie? Yeah. Um, what is it, Hero? Well, um, or Wind Beneath My Wings? That's the, like the theme song from yeah. the movie, but the song that she performs on stage when she's like a kid in that movie, oh. it's like, that's the story of, that's the glory <laughs> of love. But there's a hilarious video. I have to be about four years old. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's it's hilarious. And Find so, it so I can put it on, I can share it. Oh, I have it. I have okay. it on my phone. So I'll give it to you. <laughs> we'll post it and it'll be all embarrassing. It'll be perfect. No, but so I think I always knew, like I loved to entertain people and I'd always want to show off. Like whenever people would ask me to sing, I would love to sing. Yeah. And you so were a ham. I was a ham, <laughs> a ham. So after, so you started realizing and you had, you had a model of it. You had at least, um, you know, oh, I can make a living for uh, about, you know, I can make a living with this. Like some you had a, a living example of it in front of you. Yeah. But it's funny because even though I, my mom was in a band growing up, I didn't think about that being her job. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I, th- I don't think I understood that until I got older. I think I just knew that she sang mm-hmm. and that's just something she did. But I didn't think about that being like a career was it her her main job, or, or did she have uh, other things? She did other things as well. She was yeah. a paralegal for a while, and I think she, I don't think she did that full time. Okay, just for fun. Just for fun, but you wanted to take it to the next level. But yeah, well, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you moved here, um, and definitely one of the themes of all the people that I talk to is this networking thing, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So. You came here and didn't know anybody and I didn't then audition one person. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, and I went to the audition at Bush Gardens. 
Did you do what everybody else does and audition at Disney? This like I know, did the not. Trap? I did not actually. No? Yeah, I've actually never auditioned at Disney. Wow, I yeah. know I'm one of the rarities. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. have auditioned at Universal. Yeah, but that was after Bush for a while. Right. Yeah, so I started there in 2005. Okay. So don't do the math, people, please. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and within I think the first like six months of working there, um, our good vocalist friend Calvin Jones, which a lot of people know in the area, sings at the Gin Joint, and he's been in the area singing forever, um, recommended me for a gig singing with a prominent local wedding band, Southtown Fever. Right. They had made their mark in the in the city for over you know twenty five years. And so that was really, really a cool opportunity to join a huge, like 12, 13 piece wedding band. Yeah. When I was 18 years old, it was just really cool. And then from there, uh, actually, the owner of Southtown Fever's brother provided the music at Saddlebrook Resort. And they used to have music seven days a week there for a long time. And so um, I started working there about three to five nights a week. Doing what? Singing in their lounge there. Okay. So you and a piano player or you and a... He's a guitar player. Guitar. It was with tracks and there was two girl singers a night. Okay. And so that's where I met a lot of other local singers like Ashley Smith. Yeah. Yeah. She, I sang with her there when I was 18 years old, which is crazy. I've known nice. her that long. Um, and there was other people who rotated in and out of there. And that was a really cool learning experience. I always say that at Saddlebrook is where I learned how to sing harmonies. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're forced to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, you sing the top, you sing the middle. And at that point, I didn't really know how to find a harmony part. So they would teach me, like on the spot there, they, you know, Ashley would be like, oh, you know, sing this note or sing this note. And so I feel like I learned how to learn harmonies on the spot or how to hear them. Right. From that gig. It's really on cool. the job training. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Even if you're, even if you go to, I have found if you go to school for it and you study it, it's not the same. As when year, yeah. Well, yeah. When you're on the gig, that's when you know. That's when you really learn it for real. It's true. Yeah. Um. So, did you have to? Did you have to do like other jobs, or did you just jump right in with Bush Gardens and now with Saddlebrook, and this was paying your your bills? Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know how, when I think about it, and I'm like, I was 18. First of all, I feel like having, before that, when I lived in Ohio, just I had a job at um, this little restaurant that's local in Cleveland. It used to be called Dimitri's, and me and my friends worked there. And then I worked at Best Buy for a short period of time. And so I never had, one, a singing job, and two, it paid like kind of almost double what I was making at minimum wage, you know, working at a restaurant. Yeah. And so to me at 18, I was like, woo, yeah. <laughs> I have so much money. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it. And so, yeah, starting from Bush Gardens on, I never had a real job again. Right. Other than music. Right. That's great. I'm proud of. Yeah. So how do you, what does it take to maintain that? How do you uh, handle that? I would say 100% that it has to do with professionalism on the job because you see a lot of talented, talented people come through the industry and show up at a gig unprepared, not knowing what they're doing, having to, you know, 
stare at lyrics or not being able to perform, showing up late. Like, I feel like all those things have a factor in people recommending you or people calling you back. I mean, obviously you have to have talent, but those, those things I think a hundred percent contribute to why I've been continuously recommended to other companies. Um, you know, not drinking on the job, like not acting a fool. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think, I think that's helped me out a lot, like showing up prepared, showing up knowing the music and being professional. How do you prepare? What's, what's that for you? Everyone's different. Yeah. I learn music or lyrics for a specific job really fast. Some people take, you know, need a lot of time to learn it. If I can learn something the day before, like if I need to, like if it's a first dance or a wedding song, I've been very lucky with being able to memorize very easily. But um, is that just something you're born with? I think that so. You were born with. I think yeah. so. I've just, you know, there's other things that I forget immediately, like people's names. <laughs> I shake okay. their hand and walk away, and I'm like, okay. I have no idea what they said their name was because <laughs> I cannot remember. But you give me, you know. I have a, probably a couple hundred songs on my song list that I still know all the words to without lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's just something I was born with. I'm happy about it. I hope it stays that way and yeah. I don't start losing my memory. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then preparation for you in that case is fairly quick. Yes, yes. What's that noise? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I heard some kind of noise and thing. It's so, the ghosts. It's the ghosts. So preparation for you is that quick. So if someone were to give you, I mean, this is this is fairly common. If you join like a new band, um, someone gives you, okay, we have these twenty or thirty songs, um, and you know, if you're in the wedding industry, you'll probably already know. But let's say it's not you, and you have to learn all thirty songs. How long does that? What's that kind of preparation look like for you? I actually kind of did something similar to that when I moved to Dallas. Okay. Um, they had given me their song list and there was a lot on there that I hadn't actually done before. So I would just take about two to three songs a day and just kind of listen to them on repeat. And if I don't like grasp onto it right away, I like to write it down, oh, but yeah. not look up the lyrics and just read them. I like to physically... Listen line by line. I'll pause it. I'll write that line down. Okay. And then I'll listen to the next line and I'll write it down. And that somehow helps like embed it into my brain. Yeah. That's a great strategy. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what we do too. We, we call that transcribing. Yeah. I'll, you know, we'll listen to somebody's solo. I'll write that down or write this bass mm-hmm. part or write whatever. So everybody listening, <laughs> use that trick. Yes. Um, well, so what have you been, you've been doing a lot of wedding stuff. I mean, like you and I have played in a, quite, quite a lot of wedding gigs. <laughs> I can't even count how many weddings I've yeah. seen. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Is that, has been, that been the majority of what you've been doing here? Yeah, I would say the core of a lot of gigs that I have done over the years have been weddings, corporate events and stuff. I mean, musicians know that that's, those are the paid gigs, you know, the other gigs are this, the ones that you do for exposure for fun, but like the corporate stuff and the weddings, those are the ones that, you know, pay your bills. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of that. And as you know, a couple of years ago, I really wanted to dive more into the original music game and, and I had never felt like I was a songwriter. So I never 
felt comfortable enough to really dive into that. And once I had like a, just a few songs under my, under my belt, I started gaining a little more confidence and feeling like, oh, wow, these are actually good songs. People might like them. And then once we started playing them live and they got a good reaction and, and it kind of, it helps you realize that, oh yeah, you can be a songwriter. You can be an original artist. People do enjoy your music. And, and that's, that's a really cool feeling. And before that was just fear? I think so. Yeah. Because, you know, especially with social media nowadays, it's impossible not to compare mm. in general in life. It's hard to compare about where you are in life. It's about hard to compare people's, you know, family, how successful you are, how you look compared to other people. And so you see these other songwriters, you know, come out with album after album after album and and then you're like, oh, I only have two songs in like a couple years. But everyone has a different process. And, you know, you see songwriters that have notebooks filled with hundreds of songs because it just comes that easily. So then you automatically be like, oh, well, I don't have hundreds of songs. They don't come that easily to me. I must not be a songwriter. Oh. And so I think I just categorize myself as just a singer for like a really long time. And still, I struggle with songwriting it takes me uh, through a different process, I feel like, to write than most songwriters. But the ones that I've finished and come up with, I've been proud of. <laughs> what's, your, what's your process? Um, it's different. And I'm actually realizing this year specifically that um, there are different ways to get my mind going and, and to get it in a writing mode. You know, I used to sit and like, think of a melody or think of some lyrics and then try to put a melody to it and record it in a voice memo and then take it to, you know, say you or a band member and see if we can put chords to it. And so I, I felt the pressure of having to come up with the kind of the whole thing myself. Okay. But just recently, actually this year, I started, you know, working with a couple of different companies that have given me music first to write to. And I found that I actually am like really good at that. Once I have like an idea of like the form of the song and where the chord progression's going, I can actually come up with, you know, a feeling or an idea, I think faster than just letting all the pressure be on myself to come up with the whole concept or melody or music myself. Is this the first time you tried that? Yes. Isn't that insane? <laughs> Which is crazy. Because I always felt like I needed to write my own music. And if I was collaborating or whatever, then I wasn't writing a song myself. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but then now I realize that what 99% of music is all co-written and all collaborated. Yeah. And yeah. you know, there's, you look at like one song and it's got like 12 writers on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a hit song. And so once I realized that, then, then it's just, I can understand a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Now you and I have talked about, um, well, before we before we go there, we, what about um, ha, have you found anything in this industry, whether it's been, you know, the corporate thing, which is paying the bills or the original side of music, which sometimes doesn't pay the bills, oftentimes doesn't <laughs> pay the bills. Um, have you found anything like uh, how do I put this? Any kind of like sexism or some or men or women? I I. I would imagine women might do this too, or just because you're a woman, um, they don't take you seriously or they don't, 
they don't they invalidate your opinion or anything like that? Um, I remember years ago, I don't think this is the case anymore, but I remember years ago when I was first trying to book like uh, original gigs or, you know, acoustic gigs, like solo gigs and stuff like that. Um, I remember hearing that, you know, Green Iguana at all their locations, they would only hire men. And they're like, don't bother submitting because they won't hire a woman. And I found that so interesting at the time because I'm like, there's so many good female artists and people would love hearing them. But that was just their brand at the time. And I just thought that was so, so interesting. I, I, I think I've seen females play at a Green Iguana since. So I don't think that's the case anymore. And I'm sure with this whole movement that's happened in the past couple of years that that's probably nipped that in the butt. But I don't know if you saw recently on the radio that there was a thing that went viral about a country music station that said um, they requested a, like Kelsey Ballerini or something. Um, and they were like, sorry, we're not allowed to play two female songs in a row, only two male songs in a row. They have to be in a rotation of more than two male songs in between. Wow. And so that like went viral. This was just recently, <clears throat> like this month. Mm-hmm. And a station here in Florida? I don't know if it was here in Florida. I just, I saw someone sharing it and yeah. it was a, a reply from a, a radio station. And then just recently, a bunch of different stations have come out with equal airplay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it is interesting to know that still, that that's actually like behind the scenes, a rule. You wouldn't think that. Yeah. You hear obviously that there's more like male country artists than female country artists, but you wouldn't listen to the radio and be like, oh, there's like, yeah, you know something behind the scenes that they're not allowed to specifically right. play two girl songs in a row, and that included like Little Big Town and Lady Annabelle that have female singers in it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Just because they have mm-hmm. women in the group. Yes. My God. Yeah. So that, I thought that was really interesting. So I guess it still does happen. Have you? Do you think that's unique to country? Or does that happen in pop music? There are a lot of women in pop music. Yes. I I actually, I'm trying to think about the radio right now, and I think I've definitely heard two females in a row. I feel like that was a country music thing. Yeah. I can't say specifically because I haven't really dug into the different stations, but I feel like that's a country music thing. So you and I have talked about like how the, the struggles of trying to stay creative the corporate gigs, the wedding gigs, easy in in the sense that you already know the songs and you're probably going to play them the same way and it's money and it's like you go up and you you do your dance, you sing your song. Yeah, it starts to feel go. like a job. Yeah. Versus doing your passion. What part of it, um, for you, what part of it makes it feel like a job? I feel like the redundancy of the same, the same thing. Um, I'm a big person of like change. Like I like, I like change. I, I don't like feeling plateaued. And I feel like that's what happens when you do the same kind of gigs for like a really long time as you end up just kind of plateauing, singing the same songs, doing the same dances, playing the same gigs that there's just kind of no excitement anymore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you need the next step to, you know, learn from or grow from in your career. And so I feel like that's where it starts to become like a job. It, it sucks that it happens, but I don't know if there's really any way to avoid feeling that way. I'm sure every musician's felt that way. I think the best thing you can do is just try to, like we were talking about, be creative outside of that as much as you can. Um, it's tough sometimes, though, when have, it's your job. How have you coped with it? Outside of like, okay, let me go do my own thing, but even, even within um, the gig or a certain group, 
any specific group, I know that I have had to figure out ways that let me let me find what today's challenge is or what today's creative challenge is in this gig that can start to feel like a job. Have you had to do that? Um, I haven't necessarily thought about it like that. I always try to like find the inspiration outside of the gig because I feel like as when you're playing music, I feel like there's ways to, you know, change up the chord progressions or like play something or think about it in a different way. But as of singing it, and especially when you're on gigs that want you to sing it like the original, because that's how, you know, the audience is expecting it. I feel like there's not much um, creativity to be had. There's not much you can do? Yeah, like be hmm. based on the boundaries that are set for you. Right. And that's that's probably um, different for each group. But, oh, for sure. So, okay, how about for this? Sure. For something that you and I both experienced, Bush Gardens. Mm-hmm. All right. And I don't care. And we'll talk about them. We'll name, <laughs> name drop them. Um, partly because I don't care anymore. It's been long enough that I've been so out of there. So many years. So what, I learned this technique at Bush Gardens because that's one of the places where they want you to play it the same way. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, yes. you know, you never know some guest. Yeah. You know, it's their first time. The guest is first time here and you want them to have a good show. Get it. But for us, that we've played it hundreds of times already and sung it hundreds of times, mm-hmm. it can get boring. So what I had to start doing was... Okay, let me think of how I can be creative or how I can um, challenge myself. So, okay, so today's challenge is to be just like the record, to be flawless. And like, okay, today's challenge is to play it this way or whatever the case is. Um, And then I've had to apply that to wedding gigs and and stuff like that. Yeah, that's actually smart. So you don't you don't think like in you can you can find. Because oh, I also was not allowed to change chords yes. and things like that, you know. No, I definitely think like, you know, this game, you can focus on your technique mm-hmm. a little bit more or, um, you know, the style of the specific songs that you're singing yeah. and and stuff like that. I definitely think there was room for that. I could definitely learn from that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, so let's talk about the 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 outside creative stuff. Um, like you said, you started writing and, um, you, you know, you mentioned like you would, we, you and I have worked together and put song, put, um, music to lyrics and melodies that you've already, um, that you've already come up with. Um, uh, what was that like? Like, how did you start discovering that? Is that just cause you've always had these ideas? Yeah. I think I've always had like a voice memo full of just melodies or ideas and like a notebook filled with a bunch of lyrics. But then I'd read them back and be like, this sounds so stupid or be embarrassed because, you know, when it's your own thing, you overthink it a million kajillion times of just like, is this sound stupid? Does this sound good? Yeah, but listen to these songs and then you compare them. And Where do you think that comes from? I think it's just insecurity. Yeah. And I feel like everyone has a little bit inside of them and some people have it stronger. And I've dealt with like focusing on insecurities more than I should a lot. And I do think a lot of it does come from our day and age with like social media. Because back in the day, like you'd have your CDs or your cassette tapes, depending on how far back you go. (laughs) But you wouldn't, 
go online and see how many plays they've had compared to somebody else or how many, you know, you know, CD sales or stuff like that, but you wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I'm trying to think of someone back in the day, Vanilla Ice has, (laughs) you know, 30,000 more plays than Boys to Men. I don't know. You know what I'm just saying? You wouldn't be comparing little things like that. You were just enjoying the music. Mm -hmm. And so... I feel like with everything being so perfect nowadays, like the perfect production and like the perfect YouTube videos with like perfect video skills, like it's taken away from like the rawness and and stuff and you have this feeling of having to be perfect. And if it's not, then, and if you don't feel like it's perfect yourself, then you don't want to put it out there. Mm -hmm. Right? How have you, well, first of all, have you overcome that or or what are you doing? So how are you working to... I think it's just like day by day and like keeping pushing through. I feel like, you know, I put it off for so many years releasing that EP. And once I did, it's gotten so much great feedback. And if I would have just done it years ago, I would have seen that feedback and been able to feed off of it and probably had a little bit more momentum up until now. But I let that take over for a lot of years. The insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And just worrying about things that were probably not that big of a deal, like the exact timing or like, you know, which month or which time of the year, you know, stuff like that. And so I just feel like I'm still overcoming it, but little by little, if you keep putting yourself out there and, and, you know, just trying to like learn from past mistakes, then you're just going to keep growing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is something to be said because there's a lot of, um, at least with like major labels, they do plan out, okay, it has to come out in this and it has to mm-hmm. be branded the right way. So, yeah. but as you said, in this day and age, it's less and less of that. And anybody can get any song at any time. Yeah. You know? And I've watched, you know, people be <clears throat> like, surprise, single came out today, <laughs> listen to it. And they didn't do any promoting up to it. And yeah. then they get all this, you know, attention and, and I'm like, oh, well, they didn't follow the protocol of spending this many months promoting it or this many, you know, this. And so there's really no rules anymore with how it is, with not being signed to a label and everyone being independent and releasing music on their own, that you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Nike said it best. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get them uh, as uh, sponsors on this podcast. Then. <laughs> Nike. Just do it. <laughs> so what's, what is um, your sound? Uh, I, could, I could try to describe it, but I want to hear what you think your sound is. I always say that it's like bluesy country. Mm-hmm. I feel like my voice lends to bluesy tones. And then the songs that we have written lean a little bit towards more mainstream country. Why is that? Did you grow up listening to that? Well, I grew up definitely listening to a lot of like country and blues. My Mm -hmm. mom was in a country band. band. And so like the records and the tapes that I had were like Martina McBride, the Judds, Bonnie Raitt, who I think is just like the queen. Oh, okay. That I I skipped a question that we, that I normally (laughs) ask everybody. Your top three influences. Oh yeah. Bonnie Raitt. I always say that. Susan Tedeschi. Okay. And Joss Stone. Really? Which is really random. I feel like that was more of an influence as I got older. Okay. 
Um, but when I was younger, I, of course, just like everyone else in like the nineties and two thousands was like obsessed with Mariah and Whitney and Celine and all the divas. Yeah. So I listened to them growing up. So I feel like they have also influenced who I am as a vocalist. Yeah. But your top, you would put just, just on there. Yeah. 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 Bonnie Raitt. I don't know. Did I know that? I knew the Susan. Tedeschi, and I don't know that I knew the Bonnie Raitt thing. Oh, it's interesting. She's like my number one. Yeah? Yeah. What, oh. uh, any particular song or album? Uh, Love Me Like a Man. I think that's her best song. Super, super old school blues. And, oh, it's just so raw. And then her guitar playing on it, it's just, I think that's probably her best. Yeah, well, that's actually the next thing I was going to ask. She plays. Mm-hmm. Do you play? <laughs> that's the thing see and there's another thing where insecurities come in because i've owned guitars probably for over seven to ten years probably i have three or four of them i've or maybe even five now that i've owned and still can't really play i know chords uh-huh. and enough to like help myself write to some things it's always been my goal to be able to play and accompany myself and I've actually put that out in the world as one of my resolutions again this <laughs> year. So we'll see if I if I can make that happen. <laughs> oh. So so where does um okay help me understand where does the insecurity come in? The fact that you don't know it. I mean that's perfectly valid. If you don't know how to play guitar yet, what are you insecure I think about? That in in general in life, I've noticed that I do well like on a buddy system, okay. like. If I go to the gym by myself, I'll work out a little bit and be like, oh, that's good. But if I had like someone with me telling uh-huh. me, you know, what to do or like to, you know, kind of inspire me throughout the workout, then I'll work out harder. And I feel like if I had a buddy <laughs> to practice with or to like work on music with all the time, I think I would be like way more productive. I think I'm just more productive around other people. Yeah, that's right. That's something we were talking about. Yeah. Some people are are just self-driven and self Yeah, and they can be in like a quiet, dark room and sit there and like be inspired. I feel like I'm more inspired when I'm around and I can feed off other people's energy. Mm-hmm. You, okay, so do you think that's why um, getting the music, do you think that, that plays into it? Like now that's somebody else's energy. They've mm-hmm. already created this yeah. music and you can just... Yeah, I think that's know. maybe why that works because it's like now I'm realizing I should have probably just been collaborating all along. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to put all this pressure on myself, but now that you know, you can you can go forward with it. Yeah. So you're, you're country blues, um, and you mentioned the the EP. Tell me about that. Tell them about that. The EP is a six that, song EP that took years, as you years. said, years. To- yeah, like the first song on it was released all the way back in 2014. So yeah. you know almost six years ago now. And I released that first single with the intention of releasing this soon after. And then here I was six years later, still not having, you know, released it. But like I said, I let things get in the way, like timing and like comparing and, you know, feeling like, you know, there was one track I I kept feeling like I wanted to have fiddle on. And then I wanted to add that. And so I I kept waiting because I'd be like, oh, I need to redo that. I need to redo that. I need to redo that. Well, then I ended up putting it on the EP without ever putting a fiddle on it. And I can't even tell you how many people have said that that's their favorite song on the album, Low and Dirty. Nice. And it's just funny that like in my head, I was waiting all these years because that wasn't perfect to me. But to other people, 
they wouldn't know that that was, you know, that I would rather have a fiddle on that. They liked it the way it was. Yeah. And so I think just overthinking had like set me back a few years, but yeah, released that in um, November and it's been like great feedback ever since. We had a EP release show at the hideaway in, in St. Pete, which was, it was a was, lot of fun. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause you yeah, were there. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It was such a blast. It was really cool to have, you know, a room full of people. Cause that's really my first, if you think about it, all original show. I've played originals at gigs, right? but this is where people have paid to come hear me sing. And so that, that was a really cool feeling to have that validation that you have that many people in your corner supporting you. Yeah. Um, are you working on more? Yes. So I want to ride the wave now. I want to try to not let the fear take over, not let the insecurities take over and keep the momentum going throughout this year. Um, 2020, it's a new decade. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to use that to my advantage and just keep the inspiration going. And I want to, in the next two months, release the next single towards the new EP or album. And by the end of the year, have a new um, EP or album release. That's the goal. Rather than waiting and releasing it all as one, you want to do like individual? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is I was doing some some research and I've talked to a lot of people in the process of releasing this last EP and they said nowadays the singles get more attention mm-hmm. with, you know, the different playlists on Apple music and Spotify than full albums altogether. And that people are most likely to take your single, add it to a playlist of theirs versus listening to your album as a whole right. anyways anymore. Yeah. Cause people don't have their CDs where they're putting in the car so they can listen to the whole CD through. Right. They make their own playlist depending on their mood. So I guess I'm going to just try, I want to try that out this year, test it out. What can it hurt? (laughs) You know, putting out more music to the world and just kind of seeing how, how the singles go now that there's been an album released. So what, um, what is, what do you have to do now? How are you balancing this personal creative side and you have, you have your goals and your, your passions, you still have to pay the bills. Yeah, I've been very lucky this year that, you know, I have some gigs that allow a a lot of free time during the week for myself, um, for a lot of freedom to like be creative and write, you know, like today is a Tuesday. We're sitting here recording this podcast and I have the whole week open and next week I have the whole week open and really I just am leaving my weekends to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and leaving my weekdays to be creative. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize how opposite of a schedule we have. It's the hardest <laughs> thing. I tell people all the time, it's really, it's a really cool job. And yeah, we're doing our passion, but guess what? We miss out on most things. We miss out on getting invited to weddings, parties, you know, after a while there was people that, you know, stopped inviting me to things yeah. and I'd be like, Hey, you didn't invite me. They'd be like, Oh, I just assumed you had a gig. Yeah. And then that was just a sad moment for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I know I'm never available for anything so that people just stop inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our life though, but we do it because it's what we love. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And it's just the lifestyle that we choose. It's, I have discovered that it's also hard on relationships, whether it's, you know, like you said, friends inviting you 100%. To, or romantic relationships or just, um, I just talked to, uh, Justino, 
Yeah. And he said, you, you know, who's been last year was on tour for yeah. however long. And he's like, you miss grandma's birthday, which is true. It's like just even little things. Like oh, this. and especially if it's grandma, because listen, my grandma's turning 90 this year and I am not missing her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Ohio. But, but that does happen a lot. And most people, if you're not dating another musician, they have a nine to five, most yeah. likely. So they work nine to five during the week and then you work all weekend. Right. So if you think about it, where does that leave quality time? Yeah. It makes it really complicated. Well, okay. So you mentioned grandma. So congratulations to her, Yay. first of all. But how do you, that means that you, if you're blocking out time with, for something that is important to you, mm -hmm. that means that you're almost necessarily missing out on income. Oh, 100%. So, see, that's the thing about our jobs that people also don't understand is that we don't have vacation days. Right. We don't have sick days. We don't have, you know, the luxury of, you know, having paid time off, right. which is also very hard. And, you know, all of our income, which people might not know, is all non-taxed. And so even though we might be doing what we love and doing everything, like, it's actually kind of hard. Like, if you go to do something normal in adult life, like buy a house. Mm. Oh. People don't know how hard it is. Yeah. Even Like they envy us for doing what we love, but the complications that we face for normal everyday thing, people look at us as independent contractors or musicians as flaky or yeah. like not consistent work and they don't trust us with rent, you know, like signing a lease or getting a mortgage or anything else, because we don't have a way to prove that we're making an exact amount right. every month. We might be making an exact amount every year ish, but we can't prove that we're going to make, you know, said thousand dollars every single month because it's different. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. I've, I've discovered the same thing trying to find, you know, trying to get pre-approved for a mortgage yeah. or it's rigged, kind of rigged against the self-employed thing for exactly that reason. Yeah, and especially, and especially here in Florida, when our season in the summer is you know, slower, slower, way slower. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, if you were to go apply for something in the summer, and they'd be like, "Oh, well, you only made such and such this month," you're like, "Yeah, but I made triple that, you know, in, two in, months ago." Yeah. But yeah, it, it makes it kind so of so. How do, how do we? What do, what do you do to balance that out? What do you do to survive the, the lean months? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like saving and budgeting is like a huge thing for what we do. It's not like, you know, other jobs where you can get your paycheck and be like, oh, I know I have this much every month. This is what I have to spend on rent. This is what I have to spend on this and budget it out because we don't know what's coming in three months. Right. You might not have something on the books yet. And yeah, maybe that month might be filled. But as of right now, you have zero gigs on the month. Right. So, you know, say two months ahead of time, if you know, like, generally, we all know that December is like a huge month. Christmas parties, corporate events, um, you know, holiday parties, people are in town. And so I always take December and save as much as I can. New mm -hmm. Year's, we all know that New Year's pay is good. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say you just have to, like, balance it out and be smart with your money. Yeah. It's good advice. It's, I mean, it's tough. I mean, people and, know. Yeah, and sometimes hard to follow. It's good advice, and it's sometimes it's, it's difficult. Because like of you course. said, I think the most difficult is like looking in your calendar in three months, and it's like, mm -hmm. oh. Like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so, so what's next for you? Um, you're writing. Yes. Um, 
you're now taking other people's voice memos and writing to that stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you find that you enjoy that more or is it just easier? That's actually a very good question. I have to actually think about it. I think it's (laughs) definitely easier. Okay. I think I enjoy it when I get something from somebody and I can take my, take it myself and work on it. Whenever I have to work on something with somebody else around, that's and they're right. like looking at you. Oh yeah. Well, insecurities automatically pop in, and then my mind blanks, and I'm like, uh, but maybe this idea is stupid. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take to overcome that insecurity? Do you think there is a way to overcome it? Like, is there? I almost feel like you have to not care as much. Mm. Which not care about what? Just. What other people think, one, the outcome. I feel like, yeah, you have to care to an extent, but you, you can't have, you know, everything relying on how many listens this album's going to get or how many people are going to react to this song. Because if you're so worried about those things, it's just going to make this big, like, worry cesspool of negativity. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost like you just have to, like... It sounds like you have to create for yourself yeah it needs to not be oh i need to do this because this is you know i thought about that for a long time too with my songs and that's why it was hard because i'd be like well i like this but i don't know if that would work on the radio Oh. and so then i would you know change up the style or change up this because i would think about it being on the radio but radio compared to digital streaming nowadays Digital yeah. streaming is like way up here and, and you know, the radio is obviously it still matters, but yeah. It's starting it's not, to matter less. And yeah. Less, yeah. Yeah. And so like <clears throat> you just said, I think you need to do it more for yourself and not for the general public and for the radio and for everything else. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what I wanted to ask you? What would you give someone listening to this? They want to be. Uh, they want to do this full time. They want to do music and they're just not sure if they can, if it's possible uh, or even what their first step should be. What kind of advice would you give them? I mean, obviously if the talent is there and they know that's something that they love to do, I'm actually always tell people to definitely get out there because I was surprised by how many different music opportunities there were. Like, I think people think, oh, it's probably really hard to make it doing music. But if you think about how many venues hire music, how many wedding bands there are, how many theme parks, cruise ships, music outlets, jingles, like there's so many different outlets that there's room for people. So I feel like if they look at it like that, then they look like they have a chance. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like when they look at it as like big thing, like, Oh, I wonder if I could make it on stage one day or if I could perform. But if they can see it as a realistic thing, mm-hmm. I feel like then they would have more of a, more of guts, I guess, to get out there and do it. But, um, I mean, like I said before, the Nike theme, I think you <laughs> just got to get out there and do it. Even just if it like scares you. And even if you might suck the first couple times, you grow every time and you learn. Everything's a, like a learning experience. So. I would say just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. It's good advice. <laughs> it's it is scary at times. Yeah. Even now, as we you you know what you and I have talked about like 
how we're transitioning from previous things into the next step. Even that's scary. I'm, yeah, because you uh, don't, you know, you don't want to make the wrong decision. Yeah, for your career, for your life, and so it's really, really hard, especially as you get older. I find to commit to something new because it's unknown. Right. And with, like we said earlier, nothing's consistent. You don't want to leave comfortability sometimes. Right. To see something new, even though it might benefit you in the long run. It's just because we don't know what's coming and we don't have that blanket of security financially some of the time that it's hard to definitely step out of our comfort zone. Right. So um, we should be looking out for your next First the single and then eventually the EP. Yeah. Yeah. Where can, where can we find you? Where can people keep up with what you're doing? Samantha Lee music, L E I G H. It's Samantha Lee music on Instagram. You can go to Samantha Lee music.com. Um, Samantha Lee on Facebook, Samantha Lee on reverb nation. (laughs) So yeah, if you just search Samantha L E I G H Lee, pretty much anywhere you should be able to pull up some music and the EP that's out now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm blanking on the name. Perfect ground. Perfect ground. That's it. <laughs> um, it's on all the digital. All stuff. the digital outlets: Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music, and um, and actual physical copies. Physical copies. Yeah. And you can actually go to CDBaby.com and, and order a physical copy, which is so funny because <laughs> CD Baby notifies you every time that someone purchases an actual oh, yeah. album from their site, and that's happened probably at least five times in the last month, but it's anonymous. And oh. so it's always interesting to me because I'm like, who is buying my CD <laughs> off CD Baby and not just like streaming it on Spotify? You know what I mean? Right. I always find that interesting that who's actually actually purchasing an album. It's right. kind of crazy, right? <laughs> well, people, I mean, I'm sure there are people that still want that. Um, like I don't my know. grandma. You, yeah. <laughs> you, she had to buy one. No. You made her buy your, your CD? <laughs> no, no. Uh, she got one for her Christmas present. Okay. <laughs> True. All right. Well, um, any other any other advice, any other thing you want to say for the people? I just want to tell people that if you think music is your passion, get out there and do it. Don't be afraid of what people think. Don't be nervous. Don't be self-conscious because what makes you, you is what's unique and what makes people like you. And I've figured that out kind of in a big roundabout way that you just have to be you. I think I have a feeling this thought just hit me. I have a feeling that there are going to be people out there that, that might be surprised that you have, that you Confidence issues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they're going to see you. It doesn't seem that way on stage. Or on Instagram or definitely not on stage. Well, you know, everybody doesn't. knows that like social media is like the tip yeah. of the iceberg of obviously everyday life. You know. That's why I think your your yeah. thing on stage is probably a better example mm-hmm. because we look at you it's like, damn, she's got her shit together. Yeah. Or, or she's at least she's doing a great job and she knows what she's doing here. So that's well. Sometimes I sit down and write in a notebook things that I've accomplished, and and stare at that to remind myself um, how far I've come. Yeah. Which, it sounds sometimes like maybe it could be like conceited or something, but you almost have to 
because sometimes you feel like in a rut and you're like, oh, maybe I suck. Maybe I should, you know, give up music and have a real job or mm -hmm. this or that. And then you look at the list of, you know, people you've opened for, people you've played for, shows you've been on, like, and you're like, wow, I obviously have this career for a reason. And it just, I feel like it helps when you write down your accomplishments. I feel like it helps you gain that confidence in yourself. Yeah. That's another, I'm actually, I'm going to do that. That sounds it's good very smart. for me to do. I, it's helped me recently. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, even just like looking back and making like a folder of, I made a folder on my um, phone of photos of like really important or like cool gigs that I've done. And I looked back on that and I was like, wow, this yeah. is really cool. I've, I've had a lot of cool experiences through music. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great advice. Well, thanks. Samantha Lee music.com. Thank you, Sammy. Clank's here too. Clank music.com. <laughs> <laughs> clank. It's clankity clank. Clankity clank.com. Oh, is it? Does he actually have an Instagram? No, everyone always asks that. He but will the thing, now. <laughs> the thing about it is, is I have a travel Instagram uh -huh. and I have a music Instagram, and I really don't think I could keep up with three Instagrams. Uh. <laughs> That's just too much. But I feel like you know, Clank might get more famous than me if I've made him an Instagram. And just for anybody who's wondering, who, who <laughs> may or may not get the reference, that's Ratchet and Clank. This is Clank. Yes, and Clank is a, rat, a beautiful rat terrier. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for talking about it. Thanks, Tito. Well, there she is, Samantha Lee, uh, the extraordinary singer songwriter samantha lee and um you heard at the beginning of that interview that there's a video floating around actually on her phone it's not floating around of uh, her singing a bet midler song so uh, look for that either in the show notes or on the instagram on the music grind uh podcast instagram i will have it and i'll post it and uh and everyone can see did you catch at the end of the thing the uh, list of accomplishments? Write down, physically write it down on a piece of paper. What are the accomplishments? What are the things that I have done? And when we take a look back like that, it's because in, in the fray, it's easy to forget what have I actually done? What, you know, and, and we can be filled with self-doubt. But if we sit there and list the things that we have actually done, we might be surprised and hopefully encouraged because we have actually accomplished more than we think. And that breeds, that breeds momentum. Action breeds momentum. And um, hopefully that will inspire us and encourage, we can encourage ourselves to keep going and keep pushing. Go check out her EP, Perfect Ground. It is available on all the digital places. Um, as she said, you know, I happen to prefer Apple Music, but whichever one you prefer or whatever. And on CD Baby, uh, you can purchase, as you heard, you can purchase a physical copy of it. And, and then Samantha will see it and not know that you bought it, but she'll know that somebody bought it. Um, go check her out on Instagram at Samantha Lee Music, L-E-I-G-H. And the same thing, samanthaleemusic.com. Uh, but, you know, I happen to be uh, partial to Instagram, at Samantha Lee Music. And once again, um, 
Project Mar, a nonprofit organization, and they are selling now uh, these T-shirts that are um, that are helping the local community. Sixty percent of uh, the proceeds that they make are going back into the local community for musicians who need it the most. Their website, Project Mar, M A R dot org. Go check it out. You can see the shirt there. You can purchase a shirt. And like I said, buy the shirt. And of course, um, you know, put, put it on uh, Instagram or Facebook and tag everybody. But buy the shirt. And when gigs come back, put that shirt on and go to the gig. Go to the local gig and see the musicians that are there. Um, that's one of the best ways to support is to actually go to the gigs. Another way is getting this shirt and doing both is uh, that much better. <laughs> Project-mar.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast and rate and review on whichever uh Whichever platform you listen, this is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and Google Podcasts. Leave a, a rating and or a review. Share it with somebody that you think might enjoy it uh, and subscribe yourself. And you know what? Grab your phone, your phone's, uh, yeah, your phone's, grab your friend's phone, grab it right out of their hands, uh, unlock it with their face and hit subscribe on their phone. They will love you for it. <laughs> you can uh message me and keep up with this podcast at music grind podcast that's on instagram because that's like i said that's my preferred uh social media at music grind podcast send a message and you know ask questions uh or let me know yeah, if you have any ideas, topics, uh suggestions for people who i should talk to all of that stuff is welcome uh you can also email music grind podcast at gmail.com and i will get that too and for me personally if you want if you're interested my name is tito and if you're interested to follow me uh, again on instagram no no surprise uh, at tdv music and i post up uh, some videos pictures sometimes stories and live things and uh you know, now with this whole isolation thing, there might be some more of that stuff happening and more things at TDV music. So until the next one, continue to wash your hands, stay six feet away, um, buy the shirt, stay home. And thank you for listening. Bye.